Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning, church. So glad to see you. So glad that you're here uh, joining us today. Uh, for those of you joining us here in the worship center, for all of you out in the tent, and for those of you joining us online, man, I am just so thankful, uh, so blessed to always uh, be able to share God's word uh, with you all. And I hope, man, I hope you all had a great Christmas. Hope you had a great Christmas yesterday, ate some good food, uh, had some family time, and I know I did. I know I had a great time. And, you know, I'll be honest. I've been married for a little over two years now, saved myself there, a little over two years, and every Christmas looks a little bit different, right? So far, every Christmas has changed a little bit. Like this year, uh, my parents are in the process of moving to a new home. Like this year, me and my wife, Nicole, were so happy because we got to welcome in our new niece and spend time with her. And, you know, one thing I've learned is that Throughout not only marriage, but life in general, change is constant. Right? Our lives are always changing, and we all go through different transitions in life. And, you know, for me growing up, uh, I changed a lot, both physically and spiritually. Some would argue not mentally, because I still have the brain of a big kid. But, you know, for me, like Pastor James shared, um, as we move into this next year, I'm transitioning into a little bit of a different position here at SBCC, moving from part-time to full-time and helping to lead both the middle school and the high school ministries. And, you know, Pastor James, he's been leading the youth ministries for almost 18 years. I praise God. 18 years he's been leading the youth ministries. And now God's leading us in this big transition. As we step into the new year, I start to take on more and more, and he starts to take on a little bit less. And, you know, this is one of the biggest transitions in my life. And so the past couple of weeks, God, he's been uh, bringing my attention to the book of Joshua and drawing me to the book and how the scripture tells us about how Joshua made this huge transition after Moses passed away. He was anointed as a new leader of Israel to help them get to the promised land. After so many years of wandering in the wilderness and you know, church, you may have came today and in this year or maybe in the past month or maybe even recently in the past days, whether you saw it coming or not, you may be going through a transition. You may be going through a new season of life or a change. You know, whatever it may be this morning, uh, I just want to share what God's word has to share to Joshua in this encouragement as he moves into this new transition. And so uh, before we go any further, I'd love to open up this time in a word of prayer. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we're thankful for the time we got to spend with family, with friends, with loved ones yesterday. Lord, just celebrating the best gift that we could ever receive in your son, Jesus. God, we thank you so much for who you are, for continuing to love us. And God, I pray that everyone here, Lord, it is no accident that they are here sitting in these seats or watching online. Lord, and so I pray that you would share your word. God, you would share your truth with them today. God, speak powerfully through your word to every person. God, open their hearts, open their ears to hear you and to see you fully. We thank you, we love you, and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be spending some time in the book of Joshua and as we take a look at what the Bible has to share about 
transitions. And again, Joshua, he was going through this big transition after Moses passed away to becoming the leader of Israel. So take a look at Joshua 1-2. You can take out your Bibles. If not, we're going to have it up on the screen for you. Joshua 1-2 says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. And so here God, he's commissioning Joshua to lead the Israelites into crossing over the Jordan into Canaan, crossing over the Jordan into the promised land. But of course, there were some challenges ahead that he was going to face, challenges like the different enemies, challenges or an obstacle in the Jordan River itself. And, you know, with all these obstacles, it probably felt really easy to be overwhelmed. But I want us to check out what God has to say to Joshua and how he encourages him within this transition that he's going through. Take a look at Joshua 1.6. It says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. And so he's telling Joshua to be strong and courageous. Why? Well, because God's preparing them for provision. God made a covenant, a promise of this land that he was going to give his people, the nation of Israel. They just had to prepare for what was coming ahead. And, you know, reading this verse made me think about a very famous movie. So raise your hand here if you're a Karate Kid fan. Anyone here like Karate Kid? Okay, awesome. A good amount of you. So maybe you've watched Karate Kid, watched one of the movies, or even in the last couple years watched Cobra Kai, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but in the original movie, Mr. Miyagi, I think we have a picture up here, who was this wise, experienced sensei, right? Karate sensei or karate master. He was the one to help train up this teenager, Daniel-san, right? Not, not Daniel Ma. No, but, but Daniel LaRusso, right? Daniel-san. And he was teaching him how to defend himself against bullies and eventually to fight in this tournament. And, it, you know, in the movie, Mr. Miyagi, he agrees to teach Daniel on one condition, that he obeys everything that he says, that he does everything that he tells him to do. And so Daniel, of course, he says, okay. And then he finds himself doing household chores like painting a house, like fixing a fence, like washing a car, putting the wax on and then rubbing the wax off. And he gets super impatient, right? He, he doesn't understand why he's doing all these chores, but then eventually... Daniel realizes that Mr. Miyagi wasn't just using him for free labor. No, but he was preparing him to use these movements in order to defend himself. To block punches, to block kicks for defensive purposes. There was purpose in his preparation. And we see the same is true for Joshua. Up to this point, he was the assistant to Moses. He saw all the different military victories he witnessed God working miraculously through Moses, how Moses led the people of Israel throughout the wilderness. And even though he wasn't the leader at the time, God was preparing him for when it was time. And even when we can't see it, God, he may be preparing you for the transition ahead. It could be a new job that you're moving into. Maybe some of you here, you're moving to a new home. Students, maybe it's 
eventually going to the next grade, right? Hearing back from colleges, going to a different school. Maybe for some of you, it's that you're stepping into a new relationship or you just got engaged or you're about to get married or start a family. Or for some of you here, maybe you just became empty nesters. And that's a big transition. It could even be transitioning after losing a job, after going through separation. Maybe it's an illness. It could even be a loss in your family. But whatever transition you may be going through, we can remember what God told Joshua. Be strong and courageous. And get this, the Lord's encouragement for Joshua, it didn't stop there, but we read in verses 7 and 9, Joshua 1, 7, it says, Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. And then take a look at verse 9. It says, Have I not commanded you what? Be strong and and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. And so did you notice anything in these last verses? Well, so far, we heard three times God tell Joshua, be strong and courageous. And, you know, I think about college, and one of my professors, I'll always remember how he used to tell us, you know, Class, if I'm repeating something over and over and over and over again, you should probably write it down. (laughs) It's probably something that's pretty important. And the same is true here, right? When God is repeating something multiple times, three times here, it shows that this is very important. As Joshua is facing these different challenges that are coming ahead, God tells him to be strong and courageous multiple times. To be strong and courageous Because God's preparing him for provision, for what he promised. Be strong and courageous, holding on to God's word, not turning from it. And be strong and courageous, do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. And you know, that last part really stuck out to me because I don't know about you, but when I am uncertain of what's to come, that makes me scared. That makes me really scared and, um, you know, I am extremely excited to step into this new position. Really excited. But honestly, I'm also really nervous. And I'm, I'm scared that I can't fill the shoes that were left behind. I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of falling short, not being a great leader. And I know those thoughts aren't from God. And I know that it's the enemy that's attacking my insecurities. Right, making me way more nervous, second-guessing myself. And so over these past weeks, God, he keeps encouraging me with what he told Joshua. To be strong and courageous in the midst of this transition, especially in moments where I feel weak and scared. And that's been my prayer over and over and over again. And, you know, as we've looked into God's word, I've reminded of that last part in Joshua 1.9. Let's read it again, Joshua 1.9. It says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. And listen to this. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God is with you wherever you go. So church, as we face these different seasons, 
these different transitions that come up in life, for all of us, we're transitioning into a new year next week, 2022. We can be reassured that God is with us. And because he's prepared us, because of the power of his word, and because of his presence with us, we can be strong and courageous in the midst of any transition that comes our way. And so for your first takeaway truth this morning, if you'd like to write this down, you can write down, be strong and courageous. Right, same thing that God told Joshua, to be strong and courageous during this huge transition. And you know, one thing that was really interesting to me that God highlighted as I was reading through Joshua was the fact that the people of Israel that he was leading into the promised land were all a part of the newer generation. Right? Everyone who escaped Egypt that were led by Moses right, across the Red Sea into the wilderness were not there anymore. I take a look at Joshua 5.6. It says, For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so what is this telling us? What is all this telling us? Well, it's telling us that those that are being led by Joshua to cross the Jordan into the promised land, they were all the children of the older generation. Right? The new generation, the youth were stepping into the promised land. And you know, for me, as I step into leading the youth ministries, both the middle school and the high school ministries, I'm, I'm so excited uh, because I love our students. I see some of our students here uh, right now. And I want to continue to reach out to as many students in the South Bay and, and greater because there are a lot of students that don't know Jesus. Right? There are a lot of students that do not know God that are struggling that are going through hard things, real issues in life, putting their hope in things that fall short instead of the one who they can put all of their hope in and all of their trust in. And God, he's constantly been tugging on my heart knowing that our youth, which is primarily Gen Z, they are going through real struggles, hard issues. And so we can take a look up on the screen at this picture that shows the breakdown of the different generations in the past decades. And so you'll notice on the left side, it starts with Generation Z or Gen Z, and that's for those that are ages 5 to 25. Then we get to Millennials, 26 to 40. Then we get to Gen X, who's 41 to 55. And then Baby Boomers, who are 56 to 75. And then finally, the silent generation that is 76 and older. And these generations are here to help us better understand the differences of those born in a certain period of time. And so for all of our youth that's growing up through Kids Crew, through Evolution, which is our middle school ministry, and Legacy, which is our high school ministry, they are all a part of Gen Z. And so I wanted to share some statistics about this younger generation. You know, Gen Z, they're actually known by many as the loneliest generation. Even though they are so connected in so many different ways because of this digital age, they feel lonely, and they still feel consistently alone. 
Right, research shows that last year, summer of 2020, there is around a 22% spike in the ER for trips for suicide attempts. Suicide attempts by children ages 12 to 17. That's an alarming stat. Over 50% of Gen Z feels pressure to be successful, pressure to be perfect. And I think a lot of those pressures come from friends. It comes from social media. Barna.com shares how 95% of teens have a smartphone or access to one. And because of that, 55% use their phones over five hours a day. Five hours a day. And this generation, they were growing up with all the technological and digital advances that the older generations just saw starting to begin. And you know, some things that Pastor James and I, we noticed with our students, both in middle school and in high school, is how comparison, man, comparison is a huge struggle for our youth. Right? Seeing the highlights of someone's life on Instagram and then comparing it with their own. Right? Comparing what other students are doing and since their schedule isn't as busy, since their schedule doesn't seem as loaded, then maybe they're not as important. Or, or maybe they don't matter as much as that other person. Comparing the way that they look, their body image to a lot of people that come across their feed and we've also seen how accessible information online is to teenagers at a very, very young age, which is a good thing, but it can also be tempting. Our statistics show that the average age teens are exposed to pornography or explicit content is 11 years old. And this is a stat that keeps getting younger, it seems. And we've also noticed how teenagers, they are quick to go to Google for answers for truth instead of God's word. Our social media feeds into their theology instead of what is actually said in scripture. And I know that these are real struggles, not only for our youth, but uh, maybe for some of us here. And so with all these negative statistics, right, with all these increasing issues that we see our youth facing, that brings up the question, what can we do? What can we do? Well, what we can do is we can look at Psalm 78, 5 to 7. This is what it says. It says, He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments. And man, I love what the psalmist is saying here. He's talking about the need to teach the next generation. The need to help them see that they can set their hopes on God because I know it's so easy to compare and I know it can be so easy to complain about the generations younger than us because they're different. Because they don't do things maybe the same way that you used to do things. And I know I can be guilty of that sometimes. I totally get that. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a restaurant and I've seen these like really tiny little kids like on an iPad doing their thing just at the dinner table. Or maybe they're playing games on their parents' phone or their phone. And I catch myself thinking, man, that's crazy. Like I didn't get a phone till I was in middle school. Some of you are thinking like, what? I didn't get a phone till I was an adult. What are you talking about, dude? And here's the thing though. I didn't even know how to navigate through the internet. Like all these kids are so advanced in knowing so many different things, but instead of comparing, 
Instead of complaining about those generations that may be doing things a little bit differently, we can encourage and we can be encouraged by others. Because with all these negative statistics, with all these findings about the youth today, there are also some really great things about Gen Z. Like how they are the largest and most diverse American generation yet. How they're such independent learners. I can't tell you how many students I know that have self-taught themselves an instrument just by watching videos on YouTube. Right? They're, they're tech savvy, which if God has shown us anything in these past two years, it's that online content can be used for his glory. Amen, online church? Amen. To connect the church, to share the gospel throughout the whole entire world. And, you know, online church presents a platform to share the good news of Jesus with so many different people. And Gen Z, they're extremely interested in meaningful change for the future. And that is great news. Why? Well, it's because this generation, Gen Z, they are the future leaders of our church. Parents, you are parenting some of the leaders that God will continue to use to reach out to those that do not know him. And, you know, I've seen this firsthand through spending time with students uh, here at SVCC. Again, just so thankful and we're so blessed by God and how he blesses our youth ministries. He's truly working in the lives of our students. You know, last week, I actually had the opportunity uh, to speak and to share at the Christian Club at Casimir Middle School. And it was crazy going back there from all these years since I graduated from Casimir Middle School. I remember telling one of the students there, like, hey, I used to go here. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. And I was like, oh, um, well, can you guess what year I graduated from? And he's like, um, 1970, what? 1970, what? Who was your math teacher? I need to know. Like, you need some addition, subtraction practice. But it was really cool to be there. It was really cool. And it was really awesome because one of our students from Evolution, Amelia, she's a student leader there. I think we have a picture of her. Uh, some of you might see her on Sundays in the front helping her dad, Curtis, uh, with the parking ministry. But Amelia, man, she's so awesome. Uh, God is really using her to become a leader. Uh, she went up during the event, shared some announcements. She welcomed me up. She even helped some of the students uh, fill out these different connect cards, uh, asking them for feedback, asking them about what they heard. And, you know, as I got to talk to some of the other students, all I kept hearing was, Man, I'm here because Amelia invited me. Yeah, yeah, I heard that this event was happening because Amelia told me to come. Because she invited me here. And after the lunch was over, one of the other adult leaders, he came up to me. And he shared with me how during that event, there was about three to four unchurched students that heard the gospel for the very first time. And they wrote on their connect cards that they were interested in hearing a lot more. And they wanted to get connected. Church, God is working through our youth. And, you know, reading about how the older generation can build up the newer generations, it made me think about how there are so many leaders today in different ministries here at SBCC that were poured into, that were invested in, that were loved on when they were students. And I think about Scott Hamada, who was just playing the drums for worship uh, not too long ago. He was someone that I used to go to Evolution and Legacy with. We used to go into the youth ministries together, and now he's helping to lead worship. He's a part of a small group. He's one of our youth advisors or youth leaders for our middle school ministry, and it's been a blessing 
to, learn, to serve alongside him. You know, I think about the tech team in the back that has former students like my wife, Nicole, like Phil, like Brandon, like all these different people, how our backstage helpers are primarily high school students and college students. Even the college ministry itself is heavily led by students that grew up in the youth ministry. Right? All these former students that came back to serve in the same way that they were served. To love and to teach and lead the next generation because that's what was done for them. God has been and is still working through our youth today. And that's what I love about the church. Because we are not only multicultural, but multi-generational. And what happens when we take Psalm 78 to heart is we teach the younger generations that come after us to set their hope on Jesus. Right? So that they can share the hope that we find in Jesus with those after them. And you know, as we transition to the next stage in life or the next season in life, it is so important to continue encouraging. It is so important to continue teaching and building up our youth, building up our future. So you guys can jot this down for the next takeaway. As we transition throughout life, we can build up those that will come after us, the future leaders of the church. We can build up our future. As you transition, as you grow older, we can always help those that are younger, that are going to be the leaders of the church moving forward, that God will continue to use. And you know, as we continue in Joshua in chapter 3, uh, we see the nation of Israel preparing to finally cross the Jordan River, to go into the promised land. They were transitioning into the promised land that God has set before them. The only thing is that it seemed impossible to get through. Uh, because of the spring rain, because of the melting snow from the mountains, the Jordan River was flooded. It was this rushing, crazy river, this obstacle that Joshua and the Israelites could not get through on their own. And so check out what God instructed in Joshua 3, 15 to 16. It says, And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is besides Zarethan, and those flowing down towards the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, listen to this, they were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. And so pay attention to what the priests did that were holding the Ark of the Covenant, what they had to do. Scripture says that the priest had to put their feet into the water in this crazy rushing river before God stopped the flow of it and helped them pass through it. Why is that so important? Why is that so significant? Well, it's because if we think back to Moses and the Israelites as they were escaping Egypt, God, he gave Moses specific instructions in order to pass through what seemed like the impossible obstacle of the Red Sea. Now, let's take a look at Exodus 14, 16. This is God speaking to Moses. He said, Lift up your staff and stretch your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. So God told Moses to lift up his staff, to stretch out his hand, and then the sea divided so that they can go through. The water parted and then they stepped through. 
But here in Joshua, we read how God doesn't part the water until they step out in faith, right? Until they get their feet wet. Sometimes we want God to move first before we even take a step. And, you know, this made me think about how I used to actually work at the uh, corporate office for Skechers in Manhattan Beach. For two and a half years, I used to work there uh, full-time. And while I was working there full-time, I was also pursuing this call that I really felt God put on my heart to serve and to help with the youth ministries. And during that time, I was serving here as the pastoral intern. And, you know, I remember talking to my parents, and they understood my heart. And they understood how I felt God truly calling me to pastoral ministry, to serving and leading the youth. And it wasn't until the end of the year in 2018 when I decided to take a step out in faith. You know, I talked to my parents about feeling deeply convicted by God to leave my current job, to leave my full-time job at Skechers because there was hope for me starting seminary and even possibly getting a part-time job here at the church, but nothing was guaranteed at all. And so after saving some money for the past months, I ended up putting in my two weeks and I quit. I quit Skechers in order to do more here at the church, to get more involved. And that was a big transition. That was a huge change for me, and not only for me, but for my parents. You know, of course, they are, they are always so supportive of me, and I love them so much, but I totally understand that it wasn't easy for them. Right? They just wanted what was best for their child. And so leaving a, a full-time job, a stable corporate job at Skechers, may not have made a lot of sense at all. And, you know, I haven't really shared this with a lot of people, but I remember making an agreement with my mom that, Mom, okay, I'll give it a whole month. And if nothing pans out, then I would be willing to reapply and get my job back at Skechers after a whole month because I needed to work. Because during that time, I just got engaged. And, you know, I never told the church about this deadline. Uh, they didn't know what I was planning on doing. And so after I quit, I remember the first week went by and I loved it. Like, I loved serving here. I loved being able to do more, get more involved. And then a couple more days went by. And then a couple more days went by. And a couple weeks went by. And then I found myself at the very last day of January. And I remember the night before that month was over, I was actually getting my resume ready to apply back to my job at Skechers. And I just remember that night praying this prayer that Pastor James challenged me with when I was his intern, asking God, Lord, if this isn't your will, will you please take it away? God, if this isn't your will, will you please take it away? Help me to follow where you want me to go. God, if being faithful means going back, if it means staying at Skechers, then God, help me to be obedient. But Lord, if it is your will, will you please open that door? God, will you please make a way? And you know, that morning I went to the office. I put on a, a good smile, even though honestly I was a little sad. But then later that day, Pastor Caleb and Pastor James, they took me out to lunch. We went to Auntie Miley's, I remember it. And that's when they offered me my current position as the part-time youth director effective immediately. Church, I got my feet wet. I took a step out in faith and God made a way. We're on that last day, it seemed like there was no way. And maybe you find yourself in a similar situation. 
You want God to move first before you even take a step. But God may be calling you to get your feet wet and have faith that he is with you and that he is leading you through this transition ahead in this new season of life, in this change. And now whenever I come across an obstacle, a new transition, I remember the one who was and always is faithful. And the same was true for Joshua and the Israelites. After passing through the Jordan, God told them to take 12 stones from the river, one for each tribe of Israel, and make a memorial. Why did they do this? Well, Joshua 4, 7 says, Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Joshua and the Israelites set up this memorial as a reminder of what God has done. A reminder of his presence, of his provision, of his power, and of his promises. And when we face transitions in life, we can look back and remember. And we can see God's faithfulness, see all that he's done. At the Israelites, they continue to go on, make more memorials as reminders of God's miracles. And for us, we can always remember to look back and take a look at the cross which is the greatest reminder of God's faithfulness, which is the greatest reminder of how much God loves us, how much he loves each and every one of you to send his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to take our place on the cross so that we can be saved. Jesus died for us, so as we believe, as we have faith, we can live for him. We can always remember to look back and see how God has always been Faithful. And so for your last takeaway, you can write that down. We can remember who is faithful. Right? At any transition, any change, any season of life, we can always remember how God is the one who is faithful. And, you know, church, like many of you may already know, um, I absolutely love to play basketball. I love basketball. It's my favorite sport to play. I played basketball since I was a kid, practiced throughout the week, even played games and tournaments on the weekend. And when it comes to basketball, when I used to play as a kid, I wasn't always known as a good player in transition. And what I mean by that is whenever I would get a defensive rebound and I would start dribbling down the court or trying to score or at least trying to get past half court, I would end up getting stopped by a defender And I would think, okay, do do I cross over? Do I pass? That guy looks open. Do I go behind my back? Do I know how to go behind my back? Do I spin? What do I do? And by the time I was done thinking, I would get trapped in transition. Kind of like this picture. And you know, that's actually not a real picture of me, just so you know. That's a professional basketball player. But I would get trapped in transition because I would panic. Because I would start to overthink. I would dribble myself into a corner and get trapped. But as I grew older, as I gained more experience, as I was taught how to get myself out of those situations, instead of always getting trapped in transition, I started to trust in my ability to react. So without really thinking, I'm able to make a move or I'm able to get out of those situations remembering what I've been taught before. And in that same way, when we find ourselves in transition, instead of panicking, 
instead of forgetting all that God has done for us, instead of overthinking on what we should be doing, and instead of getting trapped in transition, we can trust in him. And we can react by remembering all that God has done for us before, and we can move forward knowing that God is with us now. The one who can make a way when there seems like there is no way. Church, let's not get trapped, but let's trust as we transition to where God is leading us. Amen? Amen. Let's close this time in a word of prayer. Father God, as we bow our heads and and close our eyes, God, I pray that we would take this time to consider Jesus. You might be going through a transition. You might be going through a change in your life. And it's scary. And you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen in the future, how things are going to turn out, and yet we can always look to God, the one who is faithful, the one who made a way where there was no way, who gave us Jesus on behalf of our sins so that we can be reconciled, so that we can be saved and start a relationship with him. And for some of you today, maybe this is your first time ever hearing about God's amazing love for you, what Jesus did on the cross for you, and you want to start a new relationship with him, following Jesus, stepping out in faith. Or maybe for you, you want to recommit and reconsider Jesus. And if that's you today, will you pray this with me? Father God, thank you that even though I am a sinner, God, you know what I've done. You know my former way of living, and yet you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. It's because of the blood of Christ that I am saved. Lord, I believe in you. God, I want to start this new life in you, with you, as I head into this new year. God, as we transition into 2022, I want to start a relationship with you. It's because of your love. It's because of your grace that I can now be raised into new life with Christ. Thank you for loving me. I commit my life to you now. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.